You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul emphasizes from Exodus what the Apostle Paul underscores in Galatians and people of all religions systematically ignore. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. With Exodus 19, we arrive at what is called the Sinai Covenant. And now we're going to have a series of preparations and then the commandments beginning with the famous Decalogue, the Ten Words. So chapter 19, we have the arrival at Sinai in the first two verses. And then in the following verses between 3 and 8, we have the promise of the covenant. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. And verse 5, very important, and I would like to make a few comments here. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my own possession. And this is a third word, sugula, which appears very frequently in Isaiah. You shall be my possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Central verse, which again confirms my thesis about scripture, that it is concerned with all the peoples of the earth, as in Genesis chapter 10 and already with Adam in chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis. But please listen to that, because that is the trouble of the Jews and the Christians. Actually, the Jews were not all like that, but under the influence of Christianism. People started to assume that we are, like us, any Christian or any Jew, they would tell you, we are the people of God. We are his possession. We are his flock. And they dismiss this condition, which Paul underscored again, starting with the Galatians. So let's hear it again. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Notice this is very important because it will be picked up in Jeremiah, where we have the statement, when you were in the wilderness, I didn't ask you to do this or that, which is a ridiculous statement. But I ask you to obey my voice. And thus God kept sending generation after generation prophets reminding the people to obey the voice of God. So the prophet is the one who actualizes for you today the voice of God on Sinai. And that's why Paul introduced immediately 
after the apostles and before the teachers. And this is what irk the theologians in my thesis, that the theologians are third grade. They are teachers. They are not prophets. But again, that's Paul Tarazi. We have to put up with him. So if, and then the last part is also essential, for all the earth is mine. Which means if you are a part of those who listen to the voice of God, you have a mission not to ask them to follow your example against the prologue of Psalm 78, but to listen to the teaching of God that is ultimately for all peoples. And this will culminate in the New Testament with Paul writing directly to the Gentiles. That's very important. You heard my thesis that the third part of the Old Testament, the Ketuvim, is about the Gentiles, but it is still addressed to the biblical Israel. And this is the stepping stone to the New Testament where Paul addresses directly the Gentiles. So very important verse, please underscore it in your teaching, in your preaching, and so on. Just read it the way it is. One more time, you have the condition at the beginning, and then you have the reason at the end. Because if you mess it up, I'll just choose someone else. And this is what God will do in Scripture. When the king and the servers of the temple that are supposed to be the closest to God disobey, he picks people from anywhere, even from outside Jerusalem. And only then you have that statement that Christians like to refer to, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, Orthodox theology stress uh, the priesthood of the entire people of God. And thus every subdeacon or lay person come and tell you we in the Orthodox Church are all equal and why should the priest and the bishop be otherwise and so on. It's vain talk. If then you shall be. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. There you go. The addressees are the children of Israel that were just taken out of Egypt. Beautiful intro to the Sinai covenant. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and said before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. Very important, you have to communicate this to the leaders and the leaders are supposed to communicate it to the people. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So there is a commitment in the biblical text. Because of this commitment, God is just in his judgment when he destroys his own people whenever they disobey him. Okay? 
And notice at the end, it's a beautiful text, this 3 to 8. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. It's a beautiful text. Actually, I would suggest that you take the statement at the entrance of your church, Father Mark, and put this one instead. But it's too long, so keep whatever you have. Doesn't make any difference. So God speaks through Moses, through the elders to the people, and the people agree. And this agreement does not make them equal to God, as very often you say in the covenant, God and we agreed. No, you didn't agree on anything that came out of your mind. You agreed on what God is about to impose on you. Please keep repeating this to your hearers. God and I are in agreement. On what? You have to explain and not just use North American style of democracy and we are equal and so on and Jefferson and so on. That's not biblical. Then you have the preparation for the covenant, which makes it, as you will see, very ominous. Nine, and the Lord said to Moses, Lo, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe. And this belief is the hefeil of Aman, which means to put their trust in what you are saying. Let's get away with this faith. Nikolai Rodi sent me this nice email about someone from Oklahoma who stated, and he told me that he sounded very Tarazian, or I sounded like him, it didn't matter. He says, in the Sermon of the Mount, you have a teaching regarding what you have to do and nothing about belief then less than 300 years later in that ungodly council of Nicaea suddenly you hear of belief and nothing about what you're supposed to do phenomenal so let's dismiss this belief and it was enhanced in the Reformation with all their confessions of faith and so on and so forth. You're talking about what you think. That's not a reference in the Bible. You heard it in Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So very important that he's going to speak Notice, you have to hear what he is speaking and say, I shall put my trust in that. Meaning, I shall entrust myself to these words. Not to what I assume I have heard. Because later you don't hear any reference about what people heard. You have everything written by the finger of God on two stone tablets. And this is what the writ scripture is all about. 
So we need to push the matter, friends, you know, and dynamite this old stupid Greco-Roman theology to which Judaism fell also via Christianity. The cloud is very important. Again, making comments. Notice how you have the thick cloud. The cloud is very treacherous in the Bible. You may have heard it before, but let's repeat it. It's worthwhile that the glory of God, as we shall see later in this book and also in Ezekiel, is tricky because it's referred to as kabod. This is the word for glory in Hebrew. And many times I stress to you that its original meaning is the weight, the heaviness of something. And we shall comment on that when we come to honor your father and mother, which is the word kibed, give them value, or as we say in English, give them weight. But the really interesting thing in scripture, which I'm convinced is anti-statue, because statues are very heavy. And the bigger the statue, the heavier the statue is. It can't move. But in the Bible, this heaviness, weight of God, is reflected in a word that actually means cloud, anan, which in all languages means something light like a vapor, the clouds in the sky. So to start making orthodox theology as you go up the mountain and you reach the cloud like Gregory of Nyssa and so on, it's silly. As though you're reaching toward God. The book of Nyssa about Moses going up the mountain and we have to follow him is Exactly Genesis 11, 1 through 9. You think that you can reach heaven. Later in Deuteronomy, you will hear that. You don't need to do that because the word came down from heaven to you. It is near you. So all this mystical theology is diabolical. The cloud reflects God and the glory reflects God. It has nothing to do with you. And then the cloud moves. I mean, you can see it from your experience. I mean, you can have a cloud that is not moving, but then the cloud can move also. And that's the famous chariot of God in Ezekiel. Again, you all notice that I try to connect the different parts of scripture together to make you realize that it's one message. You can say it in two sentences if you know scripture, not a la classical platonic theology. The eternal Logos who is in me and I relate to him. You don't find that in the Bible. The Logos is imposed upon you. The Bible.
Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.